Stop your complaining. Has someone ever told you that? Sounds like something I remember telling my kids in the middle of a long road trip. Well, today we're going to look in the mirror. We're going to consider just how content and thankful we are to be followers of Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. This is the Great Stories Podcast. And in a moment, you're going to hear from Ronnie Martin, the author of a book called Stop Your Complaining. And I can't think of a better conversation than this as I head into Thanksgiving weekend where I live in the United States. You see, I don't just want us to focus on how we can quit our grumbling and belly aching. I want us all to focus on what it is at the opposite end of the spectrum. Gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord despite our circumstances. That's what Ronnie and I will be talking about on this special Thanksgiving episode. And so as you prepare your heart, maybe even your table, to give thanks this week, I hope this conversation will help you maintain a heart of gratitude for days and weeks, maybe even years to come. So let's get started. Welcome to Haven Today. We're starting a new week together, and we're going to be talking about something that we have never, I think, spoken about on this program, at least in depth. We're going to talk about complaining. And I'm Charles Morris in Southern California, and I want to go to a former Southern California who now is the lead pastor of a church in Ashland, Ohio. His name is Ronnie Martin. Ronnie, for the very first time, Pastor Ronnie Martin. Welcome to Haven today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I somehow got a hold of a book that you've written called Stop Your Complaining. Now, I've never even thought of myself as a complainer, but I picked it up because the cover was quite interesting, and I started reading it, and all of a sudden I came under great conviction, Mm. realizing how much a complainer I was. Kind of the same thing happened to you, didn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I feel like is very much a part of our daily life, daily interaction with people, but it's also something that we don't really hear the church discuss a lot. And it's also something that when you dive into scripture, you see that it's not just a minor sin, but it's something that gets addressed all the way through scripture. But at the same time, we kind of slough it off, even though it's sort of part of the regular way that we communicate with one another. So there was something significant to the subtlety of it that kind of struck me. Let's make this practical. Let's put it in a way that all of us can understand. Let's use your dad as a foil. Do you mind doing that? Let's talk about your dad (laughs) and his cars. Talk about your dad for me here. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, it's funny because he was uh, was kind of the chief complainer. And if if you knew him, that was kind of his shtick in a way. It was was how everybody kind of knew him. He was the guy that just constantly kind of just went off on everything all the time. He was the guy that wasn't getting the, you know, the, the right breaks. And things were never quite going his way, but he did it in kind of a jovial way. So if you knew him, it was also Mm. one of the things that you kind of thought was funny about him and that you kind of liked about him. So I kind of grew up in sort of a household where that that was kind of the spirit that sort of permeated all of our conversations. And he was kind of the ringleader of it. And so I I think it just sort of got passed down to us to where we were just constantly these people that were always sort of whining about something. 
And it actually became the way in which we sort of related to each other and talked to each other. Before we knew it, it was almost as if we didn't have anything to say to each other later on in our lives, unless it was kind of just complaining and whining about something. So it was interesting in that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting because, yeah, uh, the old guy. Pops, as you call him. What's that? Yeah, we called him the old guy. That's what he was called in the family. All right. He was, uh, he'd buy a new car every three years. (laughs) I mean, I love my dad. He was a a great guy. He passed in uh, 2007. But uh, he was very eager to buy a new car. And as eager and as quickly as he bought a new car, he became dissatisfied with it. And the pattern in his life was to just over and over and back and forth new car would become an old car, then he would buy a new car, which would become an old car. And so it just kind of fed into his sort of the, the general attitude that he carried around with him, which was that things hmm. really were never quite good enough. And so hmm. I, I think that definitely hmm. got passed down to me in a lot of ways, without a doubt. Should I ask you how often you buy a new car? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've only owned one new car in my life. And so I did not take after him with the the new car thing at all. So in that case, maybe that side of the sin pattern was broken. Maybe it might have been. I I hope it was. So far it has for sure. I I guess one of the, the fears I have and my wife, Janet, has had to hear me be a complainer. And sometimes I will even say to Janet, oh my goodness, I'm hearing my late father come out of me in what I just said. And of course, I was speaking of something that would have been complaining side of him. There's a sin side to us being complainers as believers. And I know you've thought about that and you've looked into your own heart and you've seen how complaining is a sin pattern even though I'd say most of us might not even think of complaining as being sin, but it is or mm-hmm. can be. Yeah, I think it's one of those very, very subtle things because it it comes out in just our normal everyday conversation. And so I think what's happened, especially, in, and it might be a societal thing, I'm not sure. I kind of doubt that um, because we see it kind of all the way through Scripture in some ways in the tone and the words that people use even through Scripture. But I've just noticed that for me personally, it's just such a natural way of me speaking and relating to other people. And I even go so far to say that there are some people, there are some relationships I have with people where I think if we didn't complain, we wouldn't have anything to talk about because it's kind of what our relationship Mm, is based upon. And that's really bleak when you're a pastor, when you're in ministry, but <laughs> yeah. it's bleak when you're you're a parent yeah. or co-workers at work and, and they know you as the person who is the one that is always going to be complaining about something. I don't think that's pleasing to the Lord, is it? It's not. And, and you know, especially in pastoral ministry, I think the allure is that you have so many things to complain about, you know, in the sense that you're dealing with a lot of brokenness. <laughs> And you're dealing with a lot of issues where, yeah, yeah, if you find the right person, a.k.a. another pastor, I mean, your whole relationship with another guy can be one where you're just constantly going over and over and over things. And it kind of basically... uh, All the problems. Yeah, all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm chuckling there, Ronnie, because I think no matter who we are, no matter our role in life... I think we can just start slipping into this life of complaining and it just takes over and we don't even realize that it's happened. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, it's something that I think is so natural to our sin nature that I think we have to be very careful because I think it just, we do it without thinking about it. It's almost like blinking. It's almost like walking. It's, it's in a sense, it's like breathing. It's just something that flows <laughs> out of our mouths, which again, is something that's happening deeper than that. It's obviously something that's being produced from the heart, but it's also very, very natural to how we're wired um, as, as sinners, for sure. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. We're in a series, Grumbling to Gratitude. We've got Ronnie Martin, a pastor in Ohio, on with us. He's written a book called Stop Your Complaining, and we'll tell you how to get a copy here in just a little bit. Ronnie, I let you off the hook a while ago. I let you start talking about your dad. But do you mind just sharing a story of your own complaining and how Satan had a field day and... I guess one thing I'm thinking about is on a plane trip one time. Yeah, we were on our way to Ohio. This was years ago now to a candidate for a, a staff position on a church that we were that we were considering. So it was a it was an interesting thing. We were flying from California. We have a layover in Phoenix. We're in Phoenix, and of course, um, like what happens a lot now post nine eleven, we had a delay in the flight. And um, so the flight is going to get bumped to the next day. And of course, that's something that happens to everybody all the time. It's just the world we live in now when it comes to flights. Sure. But for some reason, and again, of course, the church, you know, we contact them. They understand there's nothing anybody can do. But it just incensed me and it just pushed me over the edge to where there I am in the corner with my wife. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And it's just like a just a basket full of complaints. It just kept coming out and coming out and coming out. And I just, I was sounding like my dad. It was like the old days. And uh, what was interesting was there was a guy standing nearby. And I think he was one of these people that sort of helps guide people through the airport and tells them where to go, senior citizen. And he was kind of overhearing me a little bit ranting and raving. And he came over and he was just trying to be nice. And uh, he was trying to talk to me and ask me some questions. And I'm just sort of Hmm. shouting at him, firing things, saying, look, old man, why are you even talking to me right now? You know, and then he finally asked, he says, so why are you going out to Ohio, by the way? And it was at that moment where my heart just sinks Uh and my wife looks at me and she's looking at me like, are you going to be truthful now? Are you going to lie? Like, what's going to what are you going to tell this guy? And of course, I look at her and I said, well, actually, I'm going to uh, see about applying for a job as a pastor in Ohio. And he just stares at me. And it was at that moment where I realized, okay, there is something really wrong with your view of God's sovereignty over your life right now. And he used that guy to really just kind of humble me and convict me and, and basically repent. So it was actually a gracious thing. But it stuck out because it was one of those moments where I just was, I was so angry and I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't control myself and it was just spewing out of me, you know. So, yeah, it was a significant moment. Mm. But, you know, complaining can affect us. One of our team members here at Haven Today was reading your book and they have a new baby, mm. I guess a one-year-old at their house. And, and this team member was saying, I never really thought I'm so thankful to the Lord for having this child that you've given to us. And yet... At the same time, I never realized how often I complain about this toddler now. This can get a hold of us. And so let me just ask you, because I am a complainer, I will confess that to you, Ronnie Martin. (laughs) You, I know by your book, have confessed multiple times you're a complainer. Your wife has helped you understand that you're a complainer. (laughs) Your dad was a complainer. 
how, as a follower of Jesus Christ, do I overcome my complaining? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, I don't think it's anything that's going to be, uh, this is not a, an overnight anecdotal thing, I think, that we can, we can come up with an answer for. But I think it comes back to our sense of gratefulness um, for Christ. It's us always coming back to the sufficiency of the gospel in our lives and the fact that grace is sufficient for us. It's coming back to believing that indeed God does have a plan and he works through all the things that we may think are failing or coming undone or getting discombobulated in all kinds of different ways. And I think it brings us back to a sovereign God that just says, look, do you believe that I got this or don't you? And when we start believing that and we start living it out, it's going to affect the words that come out of our mouths because we're going to have a heart that's being transformed into believing that um, all things truly do work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So it's, it's something that has to start changing and transforming on the inside of us so that our words reflect what's happening in our hearts. One thing that you talk about is uh, something that happened on the cross. These two requests from two thieves. There's a thief on either side of Jesus, three crosses, Jesus in the center. And one wanted to be delivered from his immediate circumstances. And he thought Jesus was his means to that end. And then the other knew his eternal state was more significant than just this immediate suffering. You mind just sharing that with me and relating that to complaining, which you have thought a lot about and found in yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what you see with the thieves on the cross is there's a really beautiful contrast between our reception and our rejection of grace. And, you know, when we see the first criminal, we see how he rails at Jesus, complaining to him that Jesus mm-hmm. should use his divine powers, if he has any, to actually deliver them from this predicament that they're both in on the cross. And he's basically saying, look, if you are who you say you are, get me off this cross so that I can go back to being who I am. And mm-hmm. what's, uh, what's interesting about that is that this particular thief only saw Jesus as a means to his own ends. In other words, he wanted to be saved from the cross never realizing that the cross was the only thing that could save him from himself and God. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, you have the other criminal who never asks to be delivered from the cross. Uh, He knew his fate uh, was death and that it was actually death that he deserved. He had an understanding of that. His greatest need wasn't to be saved from the cross, but he realized it was to be saved by the cross and to be remembered by Jesus. And then we see this just kind of beautifully tender moment where Jesus replies to him by saying, he'll do more than remember him. He'll actually remain with him for all eternity. And so I often um, wonder how often we share the sentiment of the first criminal voicing that same kind of heart. We don't really want to die to our sins with Christ. We want him to lead us only so far as to help us remain the Lord of our own lives. And then when he doesn't Mm -hmm. grant our wishes, we sort of rail at and rebuke him with angry and, and basically entitled and complaining hearts. There is a, a passage of Scripture that you refer to. It's written by Paul. It's in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, where Paul talks about, look how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, capital S, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that is describing a Christian life that is not spent on complaining all the time. What do you think's going on here? Yeah, well, it's a great passage. I think what Paul is saying is that um, we need to be letting the Holy Spirit shape the things that come out of our mouths so that they resemble the fruit he's producing in our hearts. So. Mm-hmm. We do that by speaking to one another in song, in a sense, letting there be a tunefulness in our hearts towards God, which gives this unceasing thanks to him for all he's done, as well as then letting that become how we sacrificially give ourselves to one another. And so I think the big piece with that, when those things are becoming what's characteristic of us, complaining will seem increasingly ugly because the beauty of God's word is transforming the words of our mouth. It's not just Ephesians where this is spoken of in the Bible either, is it? Yeah, no, uh, Paul, he actually addresses the Philippians. He says um, in chapter two, he says, for it's God who works in you, Mm -hmm. both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then he says this, he says, (laughs) do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation amongst whom you shine as lights in the world. So I think the Christian can have just a confidence that the work God is doing in his children is for his good pleasure. And that's Mm. good pleasure. Mm. Um, It's a goodness that will reflect as we blamelessly and innocently represent God as shining lights amongst this generation that we're in. So um, a world where we used to be blind to God's grace, we can now rejoice in his vision to restore all things. Paul just keeps talking about this theme, doesn't he? Even in 2 Corinthians as well, the beginning of 2 Corinthians, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's talking about comforting us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, you know, with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by. So there is this idea that God is continuing to do this light work in our hearts, it's actually affecting others. We're actually transferring that light to others in the way that we can offer comfort instead of complaining to the people that he has placed us with. Mm. Is there something that happened after you finished the complaining book that you wish you had put in? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah, you write a book like this and it almost, and I know you sort of have a vision of an author writing a book about something, sort of finishing it, handing in the manuscript, and that's Mm -hmm. it. He never has to deal with that or wrestle or struggle through it ever again. Even upon finishing the book, it's something that I struggle greatly with on a daily basis. I'm a little more aware of it now since I've written about it, but I feel like it just pops up everywhere now, and especially now since I'm having a lot of conversations about it. But I think the Lord has really like used this as a way to uh, really reveal to me what's been at sort of the depths of my heart and how easily it just comes Mm -hmm. rushing and flowing out. I don't think this is something we ever obviously get 100% sanctification on. I mean, we're going to have to be fighting against it till the day we die. I think the point is that we need to be fighting against it until the day we die. 
Ronnie, it's almost like gossip, isn't it? Complaining is really an act of our tongue, and like gossip, it is sinful, and it can lead us down a path that we don't want to go, and yet we still go there sometimes. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's absolutely true. It's, I think it's very connected with gossip in a way. In a sense, complaining can almost be a way that we gossip about our own lives, and mm-hmm. um, it's a way that we're actually speaking untruth about our own lives to others as a way that sort of pushes against what we believe about God and his goodness towards us. I think it's a little more subtle than gossip because typically when we're complaining, or a lot of times when we're complaining, it's probably something, probably a, a personal thing or an internal thing. So people tend to excuse it, especially if you're just talking about your own life. But I think mm-hmm. it's equally as poisonous as, as we would think of gossip as being, yeah. This is something we may have to deal with, but that doesn't mean there isn't hope for us able to overcome this sin pattern of complaining. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with Christ, all of these things can be overcome. I mean, Christ has overcome sin on the cross so that we can begin this pattern of not being sinless, but sinning less. And so even at the end of the book, I, uh, I give some practical tips about pausing, praying, and pursuing gratefulness as sort of some of the steps that we want to take. And we find ourselves sort of backing into just being really, really complaining in our lives. So I think there's always hope mm-hmm. when we have an intentionality that causes us to go before the Lord and, um, you know, take responsibility for our sin and also have a little remorse about the fact that, hey, I see this as being as serious as you see it. And I don't want this to be representative of my life. So it's us. It's about us going before the throne of grace and praying for more of it, for sure. Sometimes when something really terrible happens to us, we complain to God. We don't just complain to others. We complain to him. I'm thinking of a couple in your church who lost a baby and they could have complained and yet they didn't complain. I need to learn from that couple. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are times when, um, you know, we see throughout Scripture where not all complaining is a sin. And we see, um, you know, many times we see David complaining before the Lord. He's, he's bearing his heart before the Lord. And there was a couple in our church that did lose a child. They went full term and then they lost their child. And it was just a devastating day. I mean, I'll always remember it clearly. We were right there with them. They used the tragedy, they used their suffering, um, not as a way to complain, not as a way to feel entitled or to incite people's self-pity. They really used it as a way to point people to God's sufficiency in their life, God's grace in their life, God's mercy in their life. And um, God has just really used that in them to not produce a bitterness, but to actually produce something where they are able to help other people see God's grace when they're just in almost unimaginable situations. And I'm so, like you just Mm. pointed out, this is a couple that could have easily just descended even beyond complaining, just grieving and complaining and anger. And the Lord just did such a dramatic work in them that it's not that they didn't struggle with some of those things at times, but they were able to see so clearly his hand at work in their lives that even today they're able to come back and say, you know, there's a sense where we're grateful that God allowed us to go through it because we wouldn't have experienced the kind of growth 
we have experienced if that wouldn't have happened. And to see somebody able to say that, there's nothing else that can speak into that but, but the power of the gospel. Absolutely. Describe the scene for me. Here you are. Their baby has died just after being born. There you are at the funeral. And they're the ones ministering to everybody else. What was that like? Yeah, and that was an amazing thing. Yeah, here we are at a memorial service, and this is a couple that has uh, essentially grown up in the town we're in. So they have a lot of friends. They have a lot of family. There's a lot of people coming through the doors that day to pay their you know, condolences. And there they are standing at the beginning of the line. And it was amazing to see people come person after person just in tears, just weeping. And there they are um, hugging, you know, stroking people's backs, holding their hands, listening to what they have to say. And um, it was just such a, uh, just a powerful testimony to how the Lord was working in them. They were comforting uh, people that should have been comforting them. And um, Mm. so it was just, it was an amazing thing to see happen. And it really was, it's also something that really uh, just convicts you when you see that level of grace that God has given a person so that when you start complaining about things of such a, of such a lesser value, it definitely, the Holy Spirit uses that, I think, to really convict us. I am blessed, and I do say this, blessed by a wife that can point out to me that I'm complaining when I shouldn't be. Uh, I think that's the case for you, too, isn't it, Ronnie Martin? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm blessed with a wife who has no problem calling me out on my complaining. There's no doubt about it. And it actually is a blessing because sometimes we fall into these traps and these patterns and we just don't realize we do some of the things we do. So I think the way Melissa and I's relationship works is, man, we, we speak into each other's lives and it, it doesn't have to. Uh, it's not something that turns into a big explosive fight either. We want to know from the other person if we're falling into sins or falling into traps mm-hmm. that aren't godly. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, God has really used her in my life to basically bring me back from the brink of just, you know, unbelievable complaining. So it's, it's been a huge blessing for sure. Yeah. Mm. We're both seeing that work in our marriage, but do you think as brothers and, and sisters in the Lord, as encouragers of each other, and even in scripture, it says, confess your sins to one another. Is that the right pattern for godly living as a as a Christ follower? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's warrant for that in, in Scripture. You know, I think we're taught to, you know, confess our sins to one another, to encourage one another, to equip one another, and to do that. I think we have to develop relationships deep enough to where we can kind of go after each other's sin in very gracious, loving ways. I, I, how else are we going to grow, especially within the body of Christ, you know? I mean, it's not a very kind and gracious thing if you see somebody just such a, a habit of grumbling and complaining to never call uh-huh, them on it. Uh-huh. You know, I think God uses uh-huh. us to, to call people on those things so that he can he can reveal their sin to them. And that can be done gently, too. We'd better just uh, not be pointing out that beam in somebody else's <laughs> eye. We've got to look at our own hearts, too. And yet... With a spirit of gentleness, I think that is taught in Scripture to say, hey, you don't have to be this way as a Christ follower. Let me help you with this. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we're being a great brother or sister if we're not able to, again, in a spirit of gentleness and love and grace, go to our friends and say, hey, I'm seeing this. And it's probably because I see it myself, but I just I want to be able to talk to you about this and make you aware of it. How in the world 
did you even determine that this was a sin pattern for you? Well, it's just something that got brought up a lot. I think going back to, uh, you know, my wife, Melissa, it's something that we actually talked a lot about in our families. And so we would we would talk a lot about both of our immediate families and how that seemed to be such a problem. And we also realized it was a problem for us. And a lot of that was because of, you know, the environment we came out of, like we talked about earlier. So I think it's just something that we would talk about it, but we didn't take very seriously. Because again, I think mm-hmm. it's subtle and I don't, it's not one of those big umbrella sins where it seems to just cast a shadow over everything. And so it just kind of struck me that this was something I had not really read anything about in the past. And it wasn't something that seemed to be getting addressed. It's not a super hot topic. It's not a real buzzy topic to right. be talking about. So that was kind of the right. idea behind it. Um, just to sort of bring up something that that maybe wasn't getting addressed too often. Ronnie Martin, would you mind leading us in prayer? Would you pray for other complainers who have maybe today realized for the first time that they are a complainer? Pray for us, would you? Yeah, I will. Lord, we just want to uh, lift up this very real sin that permeates our hearts, comes out of our mouths and sort of reflects a reflection of our lives where we are not believing that you are good. We're not believing that what you have for us is always good. It's always better. I pray that you would, um, again, start transforming our hearts with the power of the gospel, knowing that with Christ and with the finished work on the cross, we are people that can trust that you have done a work, you're doing a work, and it's a work that will continue into our futures so that we don't have to speak out of fear of things that might befall us that you already have taken care of, Lord. So we just ask, Lord, that you would again continue to make us a grateful people for everything that you've done for us, Lord, and so that we can just have just a greater, fuller, more joyful understanding of what it means to follow you and for everything you've done to equip us in that work. So we pray for all these things and thank you that you are eager to uh, replace our grumbling with gratefulness, Lord, and, and, you are, uh, and you are able to do that. So we thank you for that and pray that you would continue to do that slow work in our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. A church planter, a pastor, you gave up a music career to go to seminary, and now you've planted a church in Ashland, Ohio. I, I just want to say what a joy it has been not only to read your book and uh, to have the Lord use that in my life, but just to have you with me here on Haven today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for the kindness. It was great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. And I also want to give a special thanks to Ronnie Martin for challenging us to move from a heart of grumbling to a heart of gratitude and thankfulness something that's usually hard to do in a holiday season. This podcast is made possible through the ministry of Haven Today. And if you want to hear more conversations like this, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please get the word out. Help us with that. Leave us a five-star review. And you can also go to haventoday.org. You can sign up for our weekly email, and you can discover additional episodes posted there on our blog. 
And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.